Welcome to this episode of 10 Minutes on the Autumn Statement, a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team. My name's Hannah and I'm the Campaigns and Church Engagement Officer for JPIT. And joining me today is Paul, one of our policy advisors with the Methodist Church. Hi. Paul, today we've had the Autumn Statement from the Chancellor that's been long awaited. What are the main takeaways from today? I think the biggest takeaway doesn't actually come from the Chancellor. It comes from the Office of Budgetary Responsibility, who publishes a report alongside uh, alongside budgets. And in it, they say that the standard of living on average across the UK is going to drop by 7% over the next two years. And 7% sounds quite a lot. But to put it in context, I can't find I can find records going back to the 1950s. And we've not had that. We've not had a drop of that magnitude during those records. So that's going to shape basically everything inside politics for on up until the next election, because two years is the is the sort of debt threshold for the next election. And the budget, it's considerably better than the last one. We in the last budget we had a there was a problem facing the nation and essentially that budget ran us very quickly towards that problem <laughs> and we, and there was a there was a feeling that we were going to smash into it. This one is fairly steady as she goes, which may feel comforting, but actually there are huge problems and especially the ones that. that particularly concern my work, which are around poverty and inequality and increasingly destitution, that this budget doesn't go near and and in many cases allows to drift for drift further and further worse over the next year or two. So essentially what we're hearing from today is that um, this budget hasn't necessarily addressed any of the, the kind of big justice issues that we are often talking about at JPIT. But it's not necessarily making them making them worse by any great measure. We've, I think we've been... in, inaction can be a problem, and I mm-hmm. think the pro- the problem in this budget, the problem in the last budget was what it did. The problem in this budget is in what it doesn't do. So, so we've been advocating for a number of months for measures that support people who who might be particularly. Uh, in need of using food banks or warm spaces over the over this winter because of the cost of living challenges um, facing communities. Did you do you think that the budget did anything today for those people this winter and next winter? So the the easiest question is for this winter. We know that you know the the, the work that we that was done by Donald Hirsch that the the churches have sort of have have embraced says that people in universal credit average family of four needs around 1400 pounds to to keep its standard of living over the next over the next six months and it's not getting it there's nothing there so this winter is is not touched by this budget uh next year there were threats and there were briefings that benefits were not going to be uprated in line with prices, which would have been a, an absolute disaster. And that hasn't happened. And you could possibly put that in the good category. But I, I think 
the idea that anybody suggested it is is beyond me. So I put it in the neutral category personally. And there are also uh, more cost of living payments scheduled for next year, which is definitely in the good category. That isn't something that automatically happens. The problem is that even though the headline figures have changed in the way they interact with the energy price guarantee, largely people are going to be worse off. So better off than if those payments weren't there, but worse off than this year. So what we see is for the lowest income families, a gradual gradual deterioration. And when the lowest income families, when half of the people on universal credit are skipping meals to make ends meet, a gradual deterioration is still appalling. It should be going the other way. Yeah, absolutely. So I write in thinking that lots of the measures that were introduced for people who perhaps are receiving universal credit are we're looking to next April um, for those things to really be implemented. So actually, today's uh, announcements haven't necessarily done anything for the time between now and then. But actually, these are medium to long term measures that might help people plan ahead a little bit more, but aren't going to address that problem that's that people are facing this week, next week into the winter months. Absolutely. So. No, nothing changes until April. And then in April, we do get an upgrading in line with inflation and we do get a, a, a new set of cost of living payments. But the net effect will be that they are lower than this year. So I suppose one of the things we've been saying to food banks and, and to the warm welcomes is, or especially warm welcomes, in fact, is if you're here next year, then then there's been a failure that people should not need a warm bank, should not need a warm welcome in order to stay in order to stay warm over winter. The measures in this budget say that people will be slightly worse off next winter. They say that, if anything, the need will increase for next winter. And frankly, that's simply not acceptable. That, that, that's the sign of a, a nation that's making the wrong choices. Yeah, I mean, the Chancellor did talk a little bit about the the welfare system and how it kind of sits in the wider economy, didn't he? He talked a little bit about being proud of the welfare system that the UK has and particularly talked about using it to get people into work. Talk to us a little bit about what's behind that and whether that is actually a measure that's, that's going to be helping people in the long term as well. Okay. The, the, the first thing, when he said I was proud, the, the particular phrase he used about being in a country with a great welfare system, I... My language was not suitable for podcasts at that point because the United Kingdom, no matter what anyone says, has an appalling welfare system. In terms of the G8 countries, we we have what's called a replacement rate. Essentially, your drop in income if you become unemployed is higher in this country than anywhere else. We support the unemployed and we support the out of work worse than most other nations or most other rich nations. The specific measure he announced is essentially growth is being held back because there's not enough people in the labor market. And one of the things that's happened in the labor market is large numbers of people are now sick and unable to work. And the reason for that is actually that there's 7 million people on NHS waiting lists and we've got a large amount of long COVID. So that's why the less people are in the labour market. The solution we're offered is a system whereby people on low incomes 
who are getting it topped up by universal credit, when they work enough, the job center leaves them alone. It says, we'll let you get on with it. You can get your universal credit and you can get on with your work. He said to 600,000 of them, we're not going to let you get on with it anymore. We're going to call you into the job center. And if you don't turn up on time, we're going to take your money off you. And in the Department of Work and Pension Speaks, the word support often means I'm threatening you come in to listen to us or I take the money off you. And that is what's being, for 600,000 people, that will be their, their reality. Now, the thing is, for people in work, there have been a number of trials of, of whether or not this helps people to earn more money, get more hours. And the answer is it doesn't. And it's really simple if you think about it. Imagine you are on doing a, a job where you're doing intermittent shifts and you have this appointment with the job center that you have to that you have to go to or you'd lose your money. And your boss phones up and says, do you want to do a shift? The answer you give is no, because I'm going to go to the job center. However. So by forcing people to have other responsibilities and other focuses, you actually reduce people's ability to earn money. And, you know, there's lots of evidence on it. But so. As you can tell, I, I'm really annoyed that that's happening because it says we don't trust people. We don't trust low income people to work out what's best for themselves. And we should, because all the evidence suggests that they are progressing in work and they are going out to work when they're fit and able to do so. There was a lot in today's statement and it's hard for us to dig into everything in kind of a, in a 10 minute podcast. Um, but actually, I suppose the the encouragement that I'm hearing from our conversation is to just dig beneath the surface of some of those announcements a little bit and, and to look at what not addressing some of these challenges or perhaps perpetuating some of that rhetoric uh, in in uh, in and around the kind of the role of work in the welfare system actually might be more damaging for us in the long term. It's not setting us on a path towards a kind of a, more, a fairer or more just future, some of the things that, that we're calling for. And just to wrap us up, Paul, what what do you where, what do we see when we look ahead from today as a result of today's announcements? I think uh, I think there's a there's a number of things, and I think one of the things we haven't talked about is the various announcements around green energy, and and that's simply because there's an analysis to be done to work out what what that actually means, and and that may end up being the positive of this, and I kind of I kind of hope so, but that that's sort of work in progress. But what this means in terms of the future, the future is that it's a hard winter ahead for lots of people and the churches will be needed in their communities to help those for whom it's it's going to be really hard. And if we don't want it to be a hard next winter, then the churches and all of, and our communities and the people who we are in relationship with need to start lobbying governments. To focus on the poorest and the least well-off in our society because, well, frankly, if we have, I think there's about three and a half, two and a half thousand warm welcomes. If that becomes every winter, that's a real degradation of what our, what our country is. If we need to open all of these buildings so that people can keep warm, that's a, that's a real retrograde step. And we have a year 
we have a year to turn the tide on that. And I think we need to work together to turn that tide. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today as we spent some time talking about the, the impact of, of the autumn statement. For more from the Joint Public Issues team, do visit our website at jpit.uk. That's jpit.uk. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, perhaps you can share it on social media or pass it on to a friend. Thank you so much for listening.